All right, if you haven't done so, turn to Romans, Romans chapter 1. If you haven't figured out from last week, we will be in Romans chapter 1 for a while, let alone verse 1 for a while. Um, I think it's important as we unpack this amazing letter from God to us as the church family that we understand the importance of this aspect because this verse 1 actually encompasses or it's like the wrapping of the whole gift of what we learn about the gospel and our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and our Father that is in heaven. And so it's important for us to understand what is it talking about. Paul gives us a glimpse and teaches us from the impact of his life, the impact of who God is, the impact of what God has done for him, and the impact of now what is he doing with his life. I don't want you just to know facts about God. I want you to know how this impacts us as a family and as individually, but as it impacts us in our community. Um, If we live this out just as a knowledge-based informative, then we become more like the Pharisees and we have to keep doing good things in order to feel good and and it takes us down a dividing road in all of our relationships and it has nothing to do with the call that God has given us in our life. In Romans, we see that Paul really identified that his identity is Christ. It's actually being a slave to Christ. We saw that last week in verse 1. And so this morning, we're going to look not just at uh, the outflow of that identity, but if you are standing on that uh, identity, that means that we also have a call in life. So we don't want, we, we want to think about our identity in Christ and how that impacts our call from God and what does that look like. And our call is, is vitally important. You know, many oftentimes in our life, we, we've, what does God want from us? What are we doing? And the way that we view a call, and sadly, a call or calling in life, has been relegated to many people as an invitation, like God is inviting you to something. But that is not the actual definition of the word call here in our text. But it's also not God's idea of calling. It's just an invitation. We confuse and are confused many times of what a call is. Um, Sometimes we think a a call is, is just simply gifts or abilities that God has given you. Many times we relegate our call is, well, whatever we're good at, that's what we're called to do. And we emphasize the reality of our life is built upon um, this meaningful existence that is solely on what we're good at. If we're good at it, then that's our calling. And that is actually furthest from the truth. We see that all over, and that's, we see that in political realms. We see that if people can convince you that something is good, that must mean it is right. That doesn't mean that that's our call. And that's where we're headed this morning is where we want to look at more intently, more in depth. We want to mind, mine and look for nuggets of what does it mean to be called by God? 
What does it mean to have a calling from God? What does it mean, you know, what is our outlook on life when we say that we are a slave of God? And so we'll look at all of that this morning. And of course, part of that will be in Ephesians. If um, there's going to be a lot of verses, a lot of things, um, and I encourage you to go back over the week, fact check the message, right? We like, we hear a lot about fact checking uh, today, and we realize that it's important to fact check the fact checker, right? So just because I'm telling you something that is true, go back and read God's word and see that God says it is true. And so I want you to look at that this morning about how has God called you and what is that calling. So let's pray. Lord, we pray that your message would be clear, not because I am clear or because we think clearly. Maybe um, right now I know that there's a lot of things weighing heavily on people's hearts which you told us, Lord, to protect our hearts, for out of it flows the issues of life. Guard our hearts, guard our minds. Lord, you've told us to come to you in everything by prayer, to give you the the needs of our hearts, to lay them at your feet. And you said to be thankful, and in being thankful that you would provide peace, that calmness that would help us. And then you said to think about these things in Philippians 4.8. And, and so in Philippians 4.8, you give us all these different characteristics or character that represents you. Lord, I pray that this morning that our call, our desire would be to know you, to have a relationship with you. And in doing so, that you would clear our thinking, that we might see clear direction in our life from the text this morning. So speak to us, I pray. Help us to honor you and glorify you and worship you as we set you up as important in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Romans chapter 1, and he says this in verse 1, and I'm just going to read our text, and it says, Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called an apostle, called an apostle, having been set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, who was designated as the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead in Christ Jesus our Lord. Through him we have received grace and apostleship for the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for the sake of his name, among whom you are the called of Jesus Christ. To all who are beloved of God in Rome, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That should sound really familiar. It's very similar to what we read in, or not we, but we read together with Lyle in Ephesians chapter 1. It's also very similar to how he starts 1 Corinthians 1. It's also very similar to how he starts Galatians 1, Colossians 1, Ephesians 1. By the way, he repeats it not only Ephesians 1, but Ephesians 4, 1, verse 1. And it's interesting that 
After he calls himself a slave, um, in Ephesians 4.1, he calls himself a prisoner. If it couldn't get any worse, he doesn't just say that he's a slave to Christ, but he's also a prisoner of Christ. Whereas a slave has movement in his life, very much so a prisoner is chained and sedentary in one spot. And of course, in the Roman period, a slave uh, had different, uh, was not a pretty thing to be conquered slave, to be in servitude as a slave, as a bondservant, as actually very contractual, very more, more like what we would understand employer-employee type mentality. But a, a prisoner couldn't feed himself. He didn't, the state or the Roman Empire didn't feed the prisoners if uh, they basically were at the mercy of other people, friends, family. It was interesting when I was in uh, uh, Mongo, uh, Togo, West Africa, uh, you go up there in the hospital system, uh, they would come and people would give hospital care, but nobody fed those that were there at the hospital. The hospitals don't provide meals and sustenance and all that. So if you came to the hospital, you as a family member would also come. And the, the actual hospital in Mongo, the, the Hospital of Hope, they would provide like a, a campground area and little stoves. And the family members would basically have their own little plot where they would like a campground and they had their number, they would go and they would camp, they would make food, they would come, wash, clean, and feed whoever was in the hospital. That's kind of exactly the same principle here as a prisoner. But we say here that Paul says his identity is that, that he's a prisoner of the Lord, he's chained to Christ, he's a slave to Christ. But listen to what he says, secondly, he says, called an apostle. That's what it literally says in the Greek, called as an apostle. It's interesting because he's not making an argument uh, defending his apostleship. He's, it's even more than that. He's not trying to say, I, this is who I am, or I'm called something, like as in, I'm called a pastor. And that's not a, it's not a title. He's not defending a title. A called apostle or called apostle is so important to understand, and it gives us very a huge amount of understanding about our own life and our own calling from God. Let me give you another verse. If you turn to 1 Corinthians 1, and verse 1, it explains this idea of, uh, further of what Paul is saying when he says, I'm a called apostle, also in Galatians chapter 1. So as you turn to 1 Corinthians 1, then you can flip over a few pages to Galatians chapter 1 and just keep your finger there. In verse 1, he says this. I love hearing those pages, Russell. No offense to all those that use your phone, but I just can't hear the pages. <laughs> you got to put those page clickers on your phone, you know. <laughs> you know, people always say, well, how, Pastor, how do you know that they've got to the, you know, if they're on their phone, that they're just, they're reading the Bible versus playing, you know, playing a, a game? And I was like, well, they look down at their phone when I give them a Bible verse, and then when I'm done reading, they look up. Usually when you're playing a game, you don't look up. So, 
Just a word of warning. I noticed those things. <laughs> but he says, a, a called apostle. Verse 1 in 1 Corinthians 1, he says, Paul called as an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. A calling is very much this. It's, it's by the will of God. He gives us the metaphor. He gives us the, the phrase here describes what a calling is. It's something that's by the will of God. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1 also says this. I'm sorry, I didn't give you this one, but we'll look at it real quickly. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according or by or according to the command of God. You say, well, so what is a calling? Well, we see very quickly that not only that our identity is a slave, but our calling is a command or a will, or a desire for a direction in person's life from God, right? It's not our desire based on our likes and dislikes, but it's a desire that's based on a command and will of God. In this aspect is that we see first that God's call, we see God's call in a very generic sense. He calls everyone to, he commands them, right? He commands them, repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. In Mark chapter 1, in verses, I think, 14, he says, he says, repent and believe, for the kingdom of God is at hand. God is coming. You better repent and believe. It, it was a, not a suggestion. It was a command. There's this general sense that God call is this command for everyone to repent, turn from their sins, and turn to God. This understanding of call suggests a divine command, a divine will, for the response to which men will be held accountable. God has called all of mankind to repent, to turn from their sin. And we are all going to be held responsible for what we do to that, with that call. There's a second sense in the fact that this call which we see Paul describing in the verses that we've read thus far, and the fact that there's the New Testament in the New Testament, there's a more dramatic or intense call, and we it's called a effectual call. It's kind of this internal call. You know, when you've heard the gospel or you've heard something from God and it's stirred something in you to say, I better listen to this. This is important. So you've heard this call, this command for God to repent. You've heard the gospel, the good news that Jesus paid for your sin. You've heard this, this sense, and all of a sudden, something begins to stir within you. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And the, there's a theological aspect of this, that God internally stirs you and draws you to Him. That's why we'll see this aspect in Romans chapter 3 when he says there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none who seek after God. We do not have an eternal desire to naturally seek after God. But God stirs us through the power of His Spirit to wake our dead hearts up to see how great and important God's call through the gospel really is. So you see there's this sense of there's a general call to repent, 
that this is God's will, this is a command. There's, this, there's also this internal call in which God makes us alive to what, and what God has done for us and what we need and who God truly is. Now, thirdly, there's another sense of God's call, and we're going to see all of this again in a little bit, that there's another way in which the Bible speaks of God's call in our life. And it's more in relation of being set apart. It's more in relation of what do we do next? Now that God says, commands us to repent, he commands us to follow him, and he commands us, and he's, he's internalized this aspect, and, and he's if affected our hearts to this call and says, yes, we need him. And so we run to him, and we bow before him, and we surrender to him. And it's this realization that every human life is to be lived under the authority of God. When we realize that calling is a command and will, that it's a, been, it's a desire given to us, we realize that we have this authority from God in our vocation, in how we live our life, in the vocation or concept. We heard a lot over the years that um, there's a, you know, vocational uh, pastors, there's, you know, there's staff pastors, there's lay pastors, there's, you know, vocational pastors, there's, there's vocations, uh, you know, there's people who are lawyers, but yet they serve as pastors in some churches. There are people who are doctors, and so you serve the Lord in your vocation. So there's this calling in your vocation to serve God to be set apart for God's service. And that's the idea here is, is, as Paul says, I'm a called apostle. It's functioning as an adjective, a verb, or an adverbial phrase in which he says that this is important. I am not an apostle because of how smart I am. I'm not an apostle because I like it. I very much... I very, I, I doubt, I say, how do I put this? My brain, I'm moving so fast that my brain doesn't make sense, even to my words <laughs> that want to come out. Um, I, I don't think he liked being beat up and spit out of the city, left for dead, uh, and I don't think he enjoyed that. But he would get right back up and run right back into the city and pronounce and proclaim the gospel. Where did that come from? It didn't come from a like it came from a calling. It came from a command. It came from God's will. He was an apostle because God had specifically called him to be one, had commanded him to be one. Had, it was God's will. It was God's purpose for him to be an apostle. Now, you say, do we have apostles today? No, we don't. God's word is very clear, even though people try to make it unclear. They work really hard to make it unclear, and they do so by not referring to God's word or only referring to one part of God's word. Um, but the thing is, is if we take this idea of calling, it makes it very clear that it was a command. It was God's will. It was God's, by God's desire that was given direction to Paul. So in your notes, I real quickly, just for the sake of time, we're just going to run through it, read the scriptures on it, so that way you can hold me accountable to it. 
But uh, the one verse that's not in there in Ephesians chapter 4, we know that, uh, or shoot, I'll give you that part next week. But <laughs> here's the thing. In, in Ephesians, he talks about we, that Paul talks about building upon the foundation of the apostles. A foundation doesn't get rebuilt and rebuilt and rebuilt and rebuilt. If it gets rebuilt multiple times, then the people that are rebuilding it are horrible workers, right? <laughs> They're probably not called to be foundational workers. I remember the first time I built a foundation. I did not pass code five times. Um, that code, the guy that enforces codes, actually taught me how to build a foundation uh, because nobody else did. I graduated from Bible college, and, and the guy that owned the construction company said, you're the site supervisor, so lay it all out and put it together. And I said, I don't know what I'm doing. They said, well, here's the schematics. Just do it. What? <laughs> so I tried to build it five times, failed five times, and I got it right the sixth time. Never missed a inspection after that. Passed everyone after that. So, so uh, yeah, so even my own, when I did my own foundation at home. Building a foundation, when you build it, you build on top of the foundation. You don't keep rebuilding the foundation. That's what an apostle was, was to build the foundation because he was commanded and called by God. So number one, apostle has been chosen to be an apostle by Christ himself. It wasn't an abstract calling. It was directly called physically by Christ himself, not by, you know, just a vision. It wasn't a vision. It wasn't just some internal, like, you know, bad pizza night. Or it wasn't, you know, your stomach just moved. It was literally at that time in that period when God physically called his apostle. Secondly, apostle had to physically see Christ after his resurrection. So not only did he see Christ when he was being taught, but then he also physically saw Christ after his resurrection. An apostle had a specific power to work miracles. As the apostles were setting the foundation for the church and they were doing all of this, God had given them authority to do these miracles to basically say, Yes, they're doing the same work that Christ did to bring validity to the Word of God. So that's the point of that. Before we had the complete Word of God, the apostles brought that, uh, in, they did these works to validate the Bible in God's Word. An apostle had specific power to work miracles. He had uh, general authority over the church. A little bit more general authority than even pastor and elders. He had, he had more general authority, but he wasn't the sole authority. Christ is the sole authority of the church. Number five, an apostle received special revelation and could speak and write by the inspiration of God. He was given exactly what to say to train and teach the church because an apostle was given specific training from God to identify the gospel, how to teach the gospel, how to live the gospel in our life. This was God's work in apostle. The called apostle or the called are those 
who have not only heard, but also who have obeyed this call. Right? Galatians 1, I told you to hold it there, right? As he says, I am an called apostle. I was chosen by God. I was commanded by God. It was God's will. God taught me. I was physically there. I saw Christ. Christ taught me. In Galatians 1, he put it this way. He said, verse 1, he says, Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father, who raised him from the dead. I am called by the will of God. It has nothing to do with man. This is important as we think of the gospel. Is is that in order to think and live out the gospel in our life, we need to realize we are a slave to God. That's our identity. But our calling is based on God. It's not based on what man thinks about the gospel. Galatians chapter 1, verse 11, skip a few verses. In verse 11 and 12, he says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. It didn't come from man. It's not some cleverly devised argument. It's not something that's philosophical. Right? It's not something that's Greek. It's, not, you know, it's, it's something completely different. Verse 12, For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it by any man, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 15. He goes on to continue to explain this call. In Galatians 1.15, he says, God set me apart even from my mother's womb and called me through his grace. Does that speak to David's emphasis in Psalm 136? That even before I was conceived, God knew my name? Right? When does life begin? Life begins in the mind of God, not in some external thing that we hold, right? My grandchild has already been born, not born, right? It's Whether it's in the womb or out of the womb, it doesn't matter. It's alive, right? God already named it, even though my daughter won't tell me that name yet. <laughs> so, but here's the thing, is God set him apart. God's call was God's command. It was God's will. This was God's desire that was given even before he was born. And he called me by grace. I didn't deserve to be an apostle. But it was grace that was given to me. It says, by grace, look at what he says in the end of verse 16. It was, ple- was pleased to reveal his son in me. There's that internal call. In me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. There's the external call. Acts 9, verse 15 and 16. Remember, Paul comes to the Lord, right? Saul was on the road. He was going to go persecute Christians, trying to destroy the church. And he's on the road, and Jesus stops right in the middle, and in all of his glory, and Paul gets thrown to the ground, right? He comes face to face with Jesus, and Jesus says, Paul, or Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he says, Lord, who are you? 
That always, I always laugh at that because he calls him Lord. Master, who are you? And he realizes it's the one that he's been persecuting and, and running from and ignoring. And he gets saved. And he goes, now I want you to go to this house, the house of Ananias in, in Damascus. You're going to go there and you're going to meet with him. And he's going he's to take the scales off your eyes. You're going to be able to see. He's going to tell you what you need to do next, right? Praise the Lord that God loved Ananias enough to tell him beforehand. Oh, by the way, you're going to get a visit from Saul. How would you like to get a visit from someone that goes around killing Christians? Oh, by the way, listen to what he says in verse 15 of Acts 9. He says, but the Lord said to Ananias, go, for, go and speak to, to Saul, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles. You see that? He's a chosen instrument of mine. He's a chosen instrument of mine. I like what he says, by the way. It's kind of like, oh, by the way, Ananias, verse 16. Don't worry, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. <laughs> you know, sometimes don't you wish that people around you got their comeuppance? You know, you know, all you brothers and sisters. Man, if mom just knew how much they torment me, you know. When will they get theirs, right? God says, don't worry, Ananias. I've chosen him for this work. And don't worry, he will suffer for my name, right? This brings much to bear for us. What does this mean for us as we quickly look at this? This also has a bearing on ourselves, for it tells us how we are to receive this whole book and to benefit from this whole book that God has given us in Romans. We can study it as we can just sit here and study it merely as a human book with human thoughts, with human ideas, give us human direction. Of course we can do that. Or we can study it Much more than that. Romans is a great, a great and amazing theological book. It's well written. It's amazing. There's so many nuggets. And so it's not a bad thing just to simply look at it for what it is. But there's so much more there. But if we would profit greatly, immensely, we must receive it as it truly is, a message from God to our hearts and our minds, and we must obey it. This is God's call as saints. It's a call to obey. It's a call to realize who we are. We are called saints, as it says in our text, if you go back to Romans 1. Romans 1, verse 7 says, to all who are beloved by God in Rome, called as saints. Saints is not code word for old age, although we like to say that sometimes because we're afraid to say, yeah, you are older or you are old, right? Old is relative, right? It's relative on how you feel and it's relative to who's saying you're old. You know, there's some that are old, 
And then my kids look at me and say, I'm old. And others look at me and think I'm a kid. So, you know, in that respect. But we are called saints, set apart ones, called by the will of God to obey the will of God. We are all believers called by Christ to be saints. That's our calling. That's our position. We are called ones. It's so much more than just Paul being called as an apostle. We, too, are called. Our calling determines three things. It determines our salvation, right? Verse 5 and 6 of Romans tells us that we are, we are called to this salvation through Christ. Through him we have received grace. Verse 6, called to belong to Christ. That's our salvation. Ephesians chapter 1 that we read, right? In him we have every spiritual blessing according to the purpose of his will. Verse 5, with the riches of his grace. Verse 7, verse 8, he has given us, he is making known the mysteries of his will. Verse 11, we have been predestined according to his purpose to work all things according to the counsel of his will. We're called ones. It affects our salvation. Not only that, but look at chapter 2 of Ephesians. It says, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love in which he has loved us, even though we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you've been saved. We are called. That's our position. Our identity is a slave. We've been purchased. And now this is our position. And that is our view of being called determines our walk. Our call determines our walk or our following of Christ. Are you walking? Are you following Christ as a called one? as a slave or prisoner of the Lord, right? Romans 1 verse 7 says to all in Rome, right? The call to be saints. We are called, it's literally saying that this is where, how we are supposed to walk. Did you notice Ephesians 2 that in verse 8 where I left off and it says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of works, right? Our calling is not a result, is it's not because of works. Our calling is because of Christ. It's because of a command that God gave us. It's because of the will of God. It's because of the desire and purpose of God. Not a result of works, lest any man should boast. Look at verse 10. We skip over verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for Good works. The result of our position in Christ results in good works. We don't do good, good works to have a good position. We are called and therefore we do good works. Does that make sense? I hope it does. That's why he says in chapter 4, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. To walk worthy. Is he worthy? Yes, he's worthy. So walk according to your calling, your position in Christ with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love. When we are living in our calling as 
ones that are set apart in our position with the Lord, we naturally love one another. If we are living according to the culture that surrounds us and our likes and dislikes, we naturally disunify or we disagree. There's dissidence in our life. Our call is so important. Verse 17, Ephesians 4, 4 verse 17 says, Now that I I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles. We are called ones. Don't walk like the Gentiles. It says in the futility of their thinking. Don't think like the rest of the world. Walk according to your call. Ephesians 4, 23 and 24. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Sounds like Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Right? Verse 1 of chapter 5. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. We are called ones. If we want to love each other, we have to walk in that calling. Called, being called by God to obey Him, to respond to His salvation, means that we have to also respond in our walk to follow Him. But also it is, deals with our service to the gospel. You know, one of the biggest reasons people don't share the good news of what Jesus did for us and what he did by paying for our sins, that we are not righteous, we are not good, we are unholy, we are unworthy, but by grace we've been saved through faith, that we've been given this great gift. And many people don't respond to the gospel and they don't share the gospel because they're not living their calling. We don't know what it means to be called. We think being called is being invited to do a ministry. To be invited to like something. Being called doesn't mean... Paul, if you read through First and Second Corinthians, you know that he did not... He loved the church. He did not like the Corinthian church. <laughs> He, he, he had some choice words about how they were fighting and how they were misusing communion, how they were giving into the world culture. It's interesting. You see, he did not like the things that they were doing, but he loved them. And so he was called at least three times back to Corinth. And it got better because you see at the end of 2 Corinthians, which some thinks is 3 Corinthians, but we don't have 2 Corinthians, it, it literally, we see that he gets soft and encouraging towards them. Why? Because Paul fulfilled his call. And he didn't focus on whether he liked them or disliked them. He obeyed God. It affects our service to the gospel. Did you know that we are called as saints to share the gospel, to live the gospel, to love the gospel? Matthew 28, 18, you know that. He says, Jesus said, all authority in heaven 
The reason he gives us this command is because that's his right, because he is God. He has the authority. Verse 19 says, Make disciples of all the nation, and as you go, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. He's saying, make disciples, that's the command, and he's, the adverb or the, the description of what does it mean to make disciple is, is, as you go, make disciples. So live life together with people, making disciples, sharing the gospel, and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And by the way, I'll be with you to help you through that process in the power of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. So we've been commanded, right? Our calling is built around God's will, God's command, not our likes and dislikes or desires, earthly desires, but our desire of our Heavenly Father. It's His desire for us to share the gospel. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us, the same command here, gave us this ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God has reconciled the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusted to us this message of reconciliation. This is our call. This is everyone's call, not the pastor's, not the ministry leaders. This is everyone's call as saints, as called ones. This is who Paul says I am. This is my position as a slave in God's household. I am called. And he's saying, you are called. We are called. Live as called ones. This is how this impacts us. Our identity must be determined by God. Our identity is not determined by others and by self. Our identity, when we are a slave, a natural aspect of being a slave is that our position in the household is in our call to be adopted as sons of God, to be saved from our sins, is not to to identify our, is not our identity is not determined by ourselves and others, it's determined by God. Another implication of being called is that called means that we are under authority. Paul is saying, I'm obeying God's authority. I am not obeying some other person's authority. That's one of the implications of being called. That we are putting, our calling is by the authority of God. If you, it's easy to pick on Perry Pallet, but so I'll pick on somebody else. If If you're a doctor, then obey the command of where God has put you and glorify God in that position. Your position is a called one first, doctor second. Glorify God in that. Right? If you flip burgers, glorify God as a called one. You're not a slave to the stove. You're not, 
a slave to washing dishes. You're not a slave to, to you know, serve other people. We are a slave to God. He is our authority. Being called means we are not self-made. I know that rubs against the American dream, being a self-made man, right? Right? There's nothing wrong with working hard. And there's nothing wrong with capitalism. There's nothing wrong with it. But that's not the call of our life. We are called ones. We are saints. We are not self-made. God made you. He purchased you by the blood of Christ on the cross. Just think about the implications here that you are not self-made. You don't, your self-worth isn't determined by what good things you can do. Whew. Right? Because I stub my toe all the time. I can't say words right. <laughs> I, read, I read sentences backwards. <laughs> you know? That's why my second grade teacher told me I'd never read in public. Yeah, what'd she know? <laughs> she didn't know I was going to be called. <laughs> and that I'd have to marry somebody who can translate for me. <laughs> right. Called means we are not self-made. But here's a big kicker. A vague knowledge of your calling will lead to a vague obedience. This is a huge implication, guys. You struggle with obeying God. Do you realize what God has called you to? Just don't think about your giftings. You know, what, and a lot of times your giftings, it's what you're just good at. It's not really giftings. Gift implies that you are doing something that you couldn't do if you just did it by yourself. Right? God does give gifts for the purpose of building up the church, not building up us. But he gives you abilities, and we have many great abilities. Some of you have immense abilities, great abilities. Great! Use them for the glory of God, but we have a hard time sometimes obeying God. Why? It's because we have a vague understanding of what God has called us to. Why do we not share the gospel? Because we have a vague calling of who we really are. We don't really look at our position. We don't realize, you know, what do you for do when you give? When you get hired at a job, what is the first thing you ask for? Or you're thinking about getting hired? You want to see the job? You want to see the pay, right? <laughs> I want to see the job description. And, I'm gonna, and then when you start to ask me to do things that are not in the job description, I'm going to say, say, look, it's not in my job description, right? And then you get a new job description the next day. <laughs> Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> but here's the thing. We have a hard time obeying God simply because we don't know what we're called to. We don't know what it means to be a saint. What does it mean to be a slave of God, a prisoner to God, chained to God? We, we still think that everything is self-determinant. You may stall God's plan in your life for a long time, 
The Bible says the horse is made ready for battle, but in the end, the victory always belongs to the Lord. Right? You may put up a good fight, but God will win out in the end. You just determine how much of you will be left in the end. <laughs> just ask, ask uh, oh man, mine went blank. But just think of the, the, the young man who wrestled with God all night long, right? God says, that was nice. <laughs> Jacob, thank you. Jacob, sorry. <laughs> but, right? God said, okay, that was fun. Touched his hip. What happened? <laughs> Popped out. He walked with a limp the rest of his life. Yeah, that's what happens when you wrestle with God. <laughs> but praise the Lord, he lets you wrestle and doesn't just say, see you later, alligator. <laughs> hey, just, guys, we struggle as believers, as a church. Many times we struggle. It's because we struggle because we just don't really understand our job description. And that's what Paul is saying he said, look, I'm a called apostle. By God's command, by God's will, it's his desire. This isn't something that came from me. You were saved by God's grace. It's not because of you commanded it, not because of your will. It's not because of anything other than that God gave you that gift of him dying on the cross for your sin. Be called. Live there. And then enjoy the freedom that comes with knowing your job description. The love that flows. The forgiveness that flows. You look at people different. You do more because you realize God has more. God gives more. Instead of doing less because you're tired. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much that you called us, that you made us alive. Lord, I pray that we would stop trying to go back to that dead life, that life without light, that life without understanding. If we're struggling with understanding our call, just, Lord, I pray that you would just put the definition in our minds that we are who we are by God's command, by God's will for his purpose, and that we would obey that that we would simply fear God, that we would fear you and keep your commandments. Lord, help us not to just know about you, but to know you. May we enjoy this relationship that we have with you. Thank you for wrapping this beautiful book, this letter to the church, to free us from the bondage of sin, to free us from the bondage of sinful thinking, not just sinful action, philosophies and the things of our culture. And you've called us to your culture. May we identify as a called one, as a saved slave and be set free in your house instead of building a home and a house in this world that's going to be passing away. May we enjoy the relationship and not the things of this world. May we continually ask for you 
in our life to be our focus, our joy, our love in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.